I'm Kim Reynolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklin, and Luke Munger. We are in the visiting coaches box high above Husky Stadium. Washington defeated Stanford 27-23 to out after getting out to a 21-0 start. Announced attendance, 69,690, 54 degrees at kickoff, and the 69,000 announced attendance. They were rocking and rolling from the minute to kickoff. It was a loud crowd. And, you know, Coach Pete had, um, or we saw on Twitter quite a bit, that Stanford liked to change their plays at the line of scrimmage and told the crowd to bring it. And they obviously did right off the bat, Scott. Yeah, I was actually pretty impressed. This was not a sellout from a butts-in-the-stands standpoint. It was actually pretty empty i thought there was probably 55 maybe 60,000 in the stands but um yeah pretty loud i was pretty impressed with the overall um atmosphere it seemed kind of electric the players seemed to feed off of it a little bit um you saw the more energy from the players and things like that so i thought overall very impressed with the way with the fans that did show up uh who brought the noise Washington off to a fast start, pulling out to a 21 nothing lead scoring, you know, with a long scoring drive on their first possession. And if you take a look, they pretty much dominated that first quarter where they took the early lead. They had 10 minutes and 14 uh, seconds of uh, uh, time in the first quarter, and they didn't get the opening kickoff either. No, they didn't. And uh, they scored on their first two drives in the first quarter, and then they scored on their third drive, uh, their first drive of the second quarter. So, um, But after that, man... Offense started to stumble a little bit. Stanford made some some adjustments, and uh, Washington was only able to get two more or two field goals the rest of the way. Miles Gaskin, good to have him back. He's a difference maker. Yeah, and Miles, and they clearly were not afraid that he might be rusty or prone to re-injury coming back because they handed the ball to him 28 times. So there was no kind of easing him back in. It was full go Miles Gaskin, and that was a huge difference maker. He was feeling it late in the game. You could see on that last drive, um, he actually fumbled the ball. Thankfully, uh, Drew Sample was able to get the uh, recovery on it. Um, but he was definitely feeling it. You could see that he was his arm was dragging a little bit, and you know, you got to hope that this is something he can fight, fight through because Washington really needed his energy today. Yeah, you could tell. I think it was in the third quarter he went down on uh, one of the plays and he stayed down on his knee. It, it happened obviously, to be, it, it obviously hurt. His, I believe, second longest play of the year when he kind of got loose for 37 yards on the left sideline and there were a couple players down and Miles was looked like kind of laboring for a bit there. Yeah, well, postgame, uh, Peterson talked about how they really wanted to make sure he was good to go. I think he may have been good to go against Cal, but they really wanted to feel like let's get him fully going. And obviously they felt like they were going to really have to run the ball. And especially Kamari Pleasant, him going down in the game, that made it even more important for Miles to step up and be counted. And I thought he had a really, really, really good game. And you could tell right off the bat how important he was just in terms of establishing that run. It was it was critical. And Jake Browning, he came out on fire. He uh he looked, and one of the guys in the media said, he looked a little pissed off, and, uh, and I thought it was evident on that first drive, and he set the tone. Yeah, yeah, I thought he, I thought he uh, was on for that first drive, and even for the other two drives, you know, he hit some key plays and things like that, but, man, it, he just reverts to things in, that, in the middle of the game and, and holds the ball too long and, and doesn't see blitzes coming when he should. I mean, as a fourth-year quarterback, you want you want him seeing blitzes pre-snap so that he gets out of a play that's going to be a problem. Or maybe he gets a guy on a hot route, you know? I mean, it's just it's frustrating to watch. Almost took a safety there for, you know, I was honestly surprised they didn't call a safety, but 
it is what it is. Anyway, uh, Washington was able to get the win, so I'm not going to gripe too much. Well, I would say that you know, as much as that, and I agree with a lot of that, um, I would also give a lot of credit to Stanford. I thought they, they did really well. Peterson said that it wasn't a matter of them overpowering Washington's offensive line with numbers. Um, they seemed to just kind of have hat on hat, and they were able to get through. And, yeah, Jake kind of started to get back into that tendency a little bit of going backwards instead of forwards. And I know there were some issues where maybe there weren't lanes where he could kind of easily slide out of. But, uh, yeah, it really felt like if the, if the first option wasn't there for him, he wasn't going to find anyone else. And he did have the one little kind of shuffle pass or whatever you want to call it that uh, worked well to Savon. Um, but other than that, it really just didn't feel tonight like he had the scrambling ability like maybe he's had in games past. Is it me or is he locking on to Aaron Fuller every time? Uh, he does quite a bit, yeah. Um, and if Aaron Fuller's not open, he's. I don't think Jake knows what to do with the ball sometimes after that. Um, he found Ty Jones on, on a couple plays. That, that one play tw- um, late third quarter, early fourth, uh, actually early fourth, or mid-fourth quarter, actually, when he hit uh, Ty Jones down the left side, and Ty Jones went up and caught the pass. I mean, that... I will say this. I said it. I mentioned it to Luke in the game when Drew Sample comes back and makes that nice first down grab on the Jake Browning scramble. When Savon is there to for Jake to uh, not pitch the ball to, but you yeah, know, a little, a, a little shovel to um, Ty Jones going up and making that play. That those were plays that weren't made last week and cost Washington the game. And this week they were made. These are guys making plays for their quarterback who's struggling right now. And those guys have to really step up, especially people like. Um, Drew Sample, who are seniors, and this is their last go round at the University of Washington. They need to make the most of what they can. And I thought, I thought Drew Sample. He only had two catches, but he had the big first down grab, and then he had the nice eleven yard touchdown. Um, that was a Jake Browning. Don't throw. Oh, okay, good, good job. You know, because <laughs> he threw it so late over the middle, and you just don't do that. But it worked for him that time. Yeah. Yeah, and not only getting Miles um, Gaskin back, but Hunter Bryant was back as well. Yeah. And the catch he made, um, I don't know how he held on to that. So it was nice to get Hunter back. Yeah, I didn't. I actually didn't see that play. I think I was uh, looking down when it, the, the play happened, but it, people said it was a nice catch. And Hunter was in there, I, I think, it, what, about 10 plays maybe? Maybe, yeah. Maybe. It, was hard, yeah. it was hard to tell. He, I thought he like he was in there and he was doing a good job blocking. And there were a couple times where he'd go and then like kind of cut across the formation and chip a defensive end or outside mm-hmm. linebacker or something. But obviously, it's just good to start to ease a guy like that back. Yeah, yeah uh, Jared Hilbert's back at left tackle as well. Uh, to be honest with you, other than Miles, I thought that probably was the thing in the game that I noticed the most. I mean, they did use. I don't know if Henry Roberts played at all tonight. I know Henry Bainavalu played a little bit, but. Jared Hilbers, I think, just really solidifies that left side and really um, – I don't, I don't know if it's just a creature comfort for a guy like Jake because he's played him all year, but uh, it sure felt a lot more solid. And um, even though I know Jake had some issues and got sacked and stuff like that, it just felt like, especially in the run game and having Miles back, I just think that kind of one fed off the other. Hilbers there was helping the run game a little bit. Miles helped them a little bit. So it was a little give and take, I think, and it really—I thought it really showed up. Yeah, uh, Stanford lost uh, uh, our Sega Whiteside early in the uh, second quarter, I believe it was, with a sprained ankle, and he went into the locker room, and he's a big target. But boy, I'm telling you, those tight ends—how big are yeah. those guys? So they're monsters. And, and Washington had 
cornerbacks and defensive backs right there with them a couple times, and they just ripped the ball away, kind of like what Drew Sample did to his guy and Ty Jones did to his guy. I mean, you're starting to see these bigger receivers, these bigger tight ends who are athletic and can get down the field, how how key they can be, even with good coverage, because they're strong and they can they can catch yeah. balls. So not fair um, to really fault the DBs on that because well, there were some perfect throws. It and was those yeah. are big dudes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. I was impressed with some of the catches over uh, Elijah Molden and, and Byron, yeah. Byron uh, Murphy. Exactly, and then kind of just adding to not only a perfect throw and a big player, but then you think about the guy who's across the middle. Is Elijah Molden, and Elijah Molden obviously a great player and talented in coverage, but if you're 5'9", five, 5'10", five, there's not a whole ton you can do if a ball is thrown 12 feet in the air and the guy just happens mm-hmm. to have a bigger catch radius than and, you. And add just a little bit to that, talking to Jimmy Lake, he said just how difficult it is to really give the DBs a great scout on it because they don't have any receivers on their lineup that are 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, they just don't have them. Jacob Eason. Yeah, no. <laughs> don't think that's going to happen, Jim. Skinny would go out there and play yeah, it. I don't well, think so. I, I actually asked him the last time he played defensive back. And, um, you know, uh, we were down on the field before a game. And I said, when was the last time you played defensive back? And he, he said, probably as a eighth grader. <laughs> So and he said and I said how tall were you? Oh six four. Jeez. So <laughs> he's pretty big for eighth grader. Washington pretty much shut down Stanford's running game. Um, they didn't let Bryce Love loose, but boy, some of the runs that Bryce Love did have, a hundred percent healthy Bryce Love would have been oh, yeah. gone. Well, and I think we're kind of watching the way that Bryce Love runs. It's kind of indicative of a senior running back like Miles Gaskin, who as the game wears on. Uh, he starts to kind of find his rhythm, and you, you see a guy who had maybe like 15 carries for 40 yards going into the fourth quarter, bust out a couple big ones, and it can get start to get dangerous. The the touchdown run that he had, um, I think we we saw like one thing that Keith Taylor really needs to work on, and that's run support because he crashed in on that side, had the chance to tackle him at about the what two or three yard line, and just threw his shoulder into him, didn't wrap up, didn't do anything, and. And Bryce Love goes in for a touchdown. Well, you take a look at Washington's, you know, defense, and they were missing Miles um, Bryant. Uh, he was limping a little bit. He didn't. Uh, he suited in the first half. He warmed up, but uh, he uh, came out in street clothes in the second half. Uh, JoJo McIntosh was um, booted for targeting. That was kind of a tough call, but it was the right call. And then, um, who else were they missing in the? Um, they were missing somebody else out of the Jordan second. Miller. They were missing Jordan Miller, too. So um, I thought the Washington's defense, even though they gave up the yards a lot, there was some yardage just right at the end of the half, about 65 yards they gave up at the end of the half that really didn't amount to anything, and then the yardage at the end of the game. Yeah, well. I mean, you talk about those last two plays, Kim. Before those last two plays, the half? Stanford, yeah, Stanford didn't have 100. They had like 98 yards right. of total offense. So I thought, I thought Washington did a really, really good job of stuffing them. I thought what really kind of changed the pace a little bit was that Stanford didn't show any of their um, kind of behind center look until the second half. And then it looked like they went a lot more power. Now, I talked to Jimmy Lake about it. Jimmy says that they still went a lot in open and and, in shotgun in the second half. I didn't see that as much. But, um, you know, he says that that's still something that they totally scouted for and looked for. But it sure looked 
like Stanford was able to generate a lot more offense when they went under center. Well, KJ Costello, I think, you know, played a lot better in the second half. And, you know, some of the passes he threw, you couldn't throw much better than that. But when you've got those wide receivers that they have, I'm calling them wide receivers more than tight ends because those guys are 6'6", 6'7", and 240, 260. I mean, they're big, big, big dudes. Yeah. They, they, they are. They, they are tough to guard. There's a reason they recruited those guys, especially people like Colby Parkinson, who is, I think, the number one tight end in the yeah, country cool, when they recruited him. Um, and he's a freak. Yeah, he's an absolute athletic freak. He's, uh, what did Brandon Huffman say when he, he was recruited? He was a combination of Zach Ertz and one of their other big-time guys. Fleener. Yeah, Fleener. Colby Frank Fleener. He goes, he's, he's the best parts of those two guys. Yeah, he's just, he looks like a basketball player playing yeah. out there, you know, really athletic and 6'7" and just can really jump yep. through the roof. Well, and that guy, too, Caden Smith, the guy who ta- he, caught the touchdown. He, 107 you know, they, yards receiving. Cl- and classic t- classic kind of basketball post moves mm-hmm. where you literally are just shielding yourself from the defender. They put the ball right in there, and I think we were talking about during the game, Tevis Bartlett and Bember Curvin, if they were like two or three steps one way or the other, probably get maybe three or four picks because they're, they're, it was so close. Mm-hmm. But give credit to KJ Costello. He got rid of the ball fast, and he and he did it with uh, authority, and he did yeah, it he deliberately. Fastball. By yeah. the way, yeah, that, that guy has a cannon. That <laughs> one of his incompletes over the over the middle. I swear he he threw an 85, 90 mile an hour fastball <laughs> on that one. That thing was whizzing by those guys. Yeah. Taking a look at the stat sheet, net yards rushing, uh, Washington with one hundred and seventy seven yards rushing. You'll take that any day. Uh, Stanford uh, netted only seventy seven yards, and if you can hold Stanford to seventy seven yards rushing, I think you're going to have a great chance to win. Uh, net passing yards, Stanford with three forty seven. A lot of that can be contributed to the end of the half, where they I think it was sixty five yards in the last minute, which really didn't amount to any. Anything, and then them playing from behind. Uh, total offensive yards, Stanford outgained Washington 424 to 371. Would you like to take a guess at number of plays, Chris? How many plays well, do you think I Washington know, had? I know Washington had 42 plays in the first half. I know. I've got it. They've got 72, Washington has 72 total plays, Stanford with 67. And one of the things that killed Washington was keeping Stanford in the game. Penalties. Eight penalties for 85 yards. Um, and uh, One... To be unnamed UW high-level staff member that's blonde was a little upset at some of the penalties oh, on the I, sidelines. Well, I, you know what? I won't even bitch about the Washington penalties. Are you gonna t- I think the, you're going to talk about I'm about to talk the, about. The holding call. <laughs> the yeah, the non-holding call on Greg Gaines where they it was – wasn't that like they a did, third and ten? Up, yeah, don't, don't they end up scoring they on that? They scored a touchdown on yeah. that one. It was third and ten. Changes the whole – Yeah, and it, not only – it wasn't like a – like a, he barred him off or got outside yeah. of the shoulder pads. Greg Gaines beat him, beat him, and then the guy grabs, arm extended, grabbed his like arm, his arm from behind. It's like it was the most clear cut thing I've ever. How seen. And it wasn't in the. It wasn't like it was in the trash either. It was no. like five <laughs> was yards clear of everybody. Right in front of both of the. the yeah. uh, isn't that why they have two guys back there? Yeah. Is to see, that was the most egregious holding call I've missed. Holding call, I think I've ever seen. I, I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this, but two of the officials, I don't think they could see because they were shorter than me. Oh, well, I thought you were gonna say they had homes in Palo Alto. No. I didn't know. I so. mean, they, they had a couple of guys who were like five five. Uh, the, one of the key stats that really jumps out to me: first quarter, Washington with ten minutes and fourteen uh, seconds worth of uh, time of possession in the first quarter. 
Third down, Bugaboos again, 4 of 14 for Washington and uh, Stanford, 8 of 16. You know, third down conversion seems I, to be a problem. On the real quick, as well as I, didn't, I didn't notice any egregious missed opportunity, like maybe on Jake's part, but no, I didn't notice any egregious like drops or anything on third no, down. As far as, far as receivers time, and stuff? Yeah. No, I thought the receivers actually had a pretty clean game yeah, for I the most too. part. I think the other key stat of the game, Arcega uh, Whiteside, one catch for 11 yards. Yeah. He didn't yeah, play he the rest of the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bryce Love, 10, uh, 18 carries. You know, he's kind of banged up, so 18 carries for 71 yards. Got to give him credit because he's been banged up. Uh, KJ Costello, 29 of 43. So Stanford threw the ball 43 times for 347 yards, two touchdowns. Miles um, Gaskin, 28 carries. That's a lot. 28 carries for 148. Savon Ahmed had five for 23. Kamari Pleasant evidently got dinged up in the first half because he was unavailable in the second half. He had three carries for 12 yards. Jake Browning, 16 of 27 for 194 and a touchdown. Just one more time, 16 of 27 and 194 yards. Aaron Fuller, again, leading receiver with five receptions for 62 yards. And there there was one key KJ Costello stat you failed to mention. Uh, the interception? Yeah. 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 Three picks. Yeah, three picks. That's, that's telling. Now, yeah. granted, one of them was on the final play of the game, yeah. but... Um, again, you know, Ben Burkirvin with a subpar game with only 12 tackles this week. Uh, Elijah Molden uh, and, Brian, uh, and uh, Byron Murphy each with seven tackles, but with as many times as they threw the ball, that's not unusual. And one of the guys that really stood out to me on defense, I thought Brandon Wellington really yeah. stepped up and had a nice game. Kind of, oh, you no, go ahead. I was going to say, on Brandon Wellington, he's credited with zero tackles for loss on the stat sheet. I think he's kind of getting robbed because there were two tackles in the fourth quarter where if it wasn't in the backfield, met Bryce Lover, whichever the tailback was, at the line of scrimmage and dropped him. Brandon Wellington definitely stepped up big. And it definitely looked like there were some situational things where they subbed in Bartlett for Wellington, right? I mean, it, I don't know what those particular packages Passing were going to be. coverages, typically. Yeah, and I, I was, obviously, I'm going to have to go back and look. I mean, I'm like Peterson now. I'm going to have to go back and look at the tape. <laughs> but there were definitely some I – I saw some very deliberate things where they were subbing Wellington in for certain situations, and it looked like they were really relying on him in certain ways. And uh, I thought he played really, really well. Probably probably the, the game uh, of the year for him so far. Yeah, well, probably, if anything, just because he looks like he's now fully healthy. Yeah, the most plays I've seen him in there he was in there for at least half of Stanford's uh, offensive plays yeah, I would say Joe Tryon is another guy I saw a ton of today other than the, the DBs who obviously had to get shuffled around but uh, Joe Tryon they're starting to really get him going too by the way um, and maybe Kim if you're going to get to this we can talk about it the clock management by David Shaw at the end of the game he cost them 45 seconds. I have a question because I was a little, I'm a little confused because Stanford was sending in substitutions, right? Which allows Washington to send in substitutions and they were in no hurry. And while they're doing, while they're sending in the substitution, the clock was running. Well, you know, you know, as Chris Peterson talked about that and Jimmy Lay talked about that as well. And there, and and we were asking how much time are you guys allowed to, to run that sub, and Jimmy Lake was like, that's a great question. We don't know, but we're going to take as much as we can, whatever well, and, that number is. And the is. funny thing was, Greg Gaines, he was just jogging off. And I was like, that that cost Stanford at least four seconds, mm-hmm. him jogging off instead of running off. You, know, you yeah. mentioned Greg Gaines, and sometimes stat sheets don't oh. tell the whole story of the game because you know how many tackles Greg Gaines had One. today? 
one tackle, one interception, yeah. and uh, um, I was joking with him that the wind blew it to him. Uh, he dove for it, but uh, Greg Gaines had a big impact on this game with only one tackle. He did, and I'll tell you what, the, on that play, it was it Ben Burkirvan that hit it? Yeah, was, okay. he, yeah he was credited with so the tip. Ben Burkirvan tips it. If he doesn't tip that, it's a touchdown. Because they had five blockers and one running back, and Washington had no one in the middle of the field. They were just going to run in for a convoy. touchdown. It was a convoy. It was going to be a touchdown, yeah. and it turned into that. Was that honestly? Uh, if if the guy doesn't miss the extra point, that could have been the play of the game. Yeah, I, th- I think the gains non hold was the non play of the game. Yeah, yeah but totally. but yeah, I'm just kind of on the the gains interception. Uh, Coach Peterson was talking about uh, just for he said finally they won the turnover battle. Mm-hmm. And, Three nothing. Uh, I, th- I think it's kind of maybe funny or like symbolic to point out that. The turnover battle is something that can be emphasized as much as you want, but sometimes it can come down to a tipped ball on a screen pass mm-hmm. and a diving interception by your nose tackle. You know, like mm-hmm. turnovers aren't easily manufactured, and, and that's sometimes what needs to happen. I was going to say, and to flip that, I know everyone is really frustrated with Browning, and I think we're all frustrated with what you know when you see it run on face value when it's happening. You're like, why doesn't he get rid of the ball? Why doesn't he get rid of the ball? Well, the flip side of that is he's not throwing picks. So that helps them win the turnover battle. And I thought a key stat going into this game, and I put it in my prediction, was that when Stanford won the or when they got at least forced at least one turnover, they were five and zero. But when they weren't able to force a turnover, they were zero and three. So there you go. Now they're zero and four. And I think the play of the game was the missed point after touchdown by Stanford that would have put them only down by three. But boy, that uh, missing that extra point, making that deficit four points made a huge difference towards the end of the game. Absolutely, yeah. That was the key play of the game for me. Yeah, And, you know, I'm down on the field and the wind, the wind was tough down there. And I'm convinced that the wind had an impact on that because it was definitely blowing hard the way the uh, ball missed. And you could take a look at the... Um, the streamers on top of the goalpost to get an idea which way the wind were going. And they weren't laying down flat and they were 45 degrees pointing that way. So that was just huge. And, you know, uh, boy, a field goal versus having to get a touchdown at the end of the game. Huge difference. Well, I was going to say too, and if we're going to talk about David Shaw gaffes or question what he was doing in terms of game management and that kind of thing, time management, they win the toss, and they took the ball, yeah. which meant not only did Washington get the ball to start the second half, but they got to dictate which way they wanted, which quarter they wanted the wind or going against the wind. So I thought they played it right, and they got the wind in the second and fourth quarters, which, made they, which meant they had to go right into the wind going into the lake mm-hmm. on that key extra point. And that, and that game management thing, that, well, I'm not saying that's the difference in the yeah. game, but it just feels like you know, when you win the toss – you have everything going for you in game management to try to use the elements for you, and it looked like David Shaw. I don't. Did he just maybe ignore it? No, I don't know. I mean, you know, from what I understand, talking to the people down there, that's not an unusual uh, thing for him to do. To if they win the toss to take the ball, he does that a lot. Yeah, but it's so weird because it's like okay, so you're giving Washington the ball second half, and you're not allowing yourself to dictate terms when it comes to when you can go with or against the wind. Because I'm telling you. The wind was huge today. I mean, the wind was an absolute factor. Well, the funny thing was, is it, it was gusting and it was swirling and it wasn't consistent. It wasn't persistent. It was just kind of all over the place. So uh, the one ball Jake Browning threw, 
I mean, it looked like it was 10 yards too short, and, you know, the wind obviously got it and carried it away. Uh, so, you know, the wind had an impact on the game. I asked Chris Peterson, said, you guys are used to this, and he took exception to that. No, we're not, because they haven't really had very much bad weather. Well, if they want to go out and practice again right now, it's pissing rain. Yeah, it's absolutely so. absurd right now. <laughs> but, I mean, just talking about how pivotal – uh, that wind was sort of not only on that Stanford maybe PAT, but then their last drive having to throw the ball into the wind into the end zone. Talk about also Peyton Henry having to drain a 38-yarder from the left hash, which is an awkward look for a left-footed kicker. He gets the wind at his back. How comfortable did you feel with him oh, out I there? Feel comfortable. Well, I mean, I, I, I was kind of joking. 38 yards is is, is yeah. a number that Washington fans are familiar well, with. Well, incred- I mean, but give him yeah, all the credit in the world. Do you want to know how much that was good by? A lot. Hey man, Rancher freshman Not very much. stepping up to the well. Let me just tell you this. Well, any, any, let's put it this way: any more would have been wasted. Yeah, yeah. Let me just put it this way: in warmups, he was pushing everything to the left, and so I was like, "They're on the left hash." He's pushing everything to the left. Well, that's the, not a good thing. And again, you're at the mercy of what the wind's doing. You might you might have the wind at your back. That doesn't mean it's not swirling all around like crazy. So, yeah, again, I give them all the credit in the world for putting that through the uprights because that's a, that's a pressure cooker right there. We talked on KJR this morning on a radio show about you know the possibility of seeing some of the freshmen play. Uh, the ones that we saw play, a couple of surprises there. So uh, you know, we only saw three of the freshmen. It was the three defensive back, Dominique Hampton, who was injured in fall camp, who had a shoulder issue, and then um, uh, Kyler Gordon and Julius Irvin both. Played so, is that two or Kyler three? Gordon got two tackles today. Yeah, and I think those are the first of his career. Well, and also he's the only one of the DBs that actually played defense. Uh, Irvin and Dominic Hampton played just played special teams. And both Dominic Hampton and Julius Irvin each had a tackle as yeah. well. So is that two games that um, uh, Kyler's been in? Yeah, Oregon, yes. Oregon, and you know, Stanford. Two games for Irvin. Yeah. One game for Hampton. Yes. Yeah. And we didn't see any of the defensive linemen, which I thought we might see. We didn't see any of the linebackers, which I thought we might see on special teams. Um, the, there was a lot of guys suited. Um, I was kind of hoping we'd see MJ Ale out there because I just want to see the look of a lineman when they lined up across the across the line from MJ Ale. No, <laughs> they're all big, Jim. Care. Look at the look at Stanford. They're rolling out six, seven tight ends and six. Three and six, four wide receivers. So, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, it's, that's just how they roll. I mean, they're, Stanford's a big, big group. As you, you know, you went down and took a look at them. They're, they're big guys. They've always been big guys. Yeah, one of the cool things I've been down the sidelines is seeing some of the former players that come back, and it was great to see Buda Baker. It's always great to see Buda. He's, his, he's doing a little bit of James Harden on the beard thing, letting it go a little bit. Uh, Dante, There's nothing wrong with that, Kim. You want an all-pro? There's nothing wrong with that. Dante uh, Dante Pettis, and I talked to Dante a little bit, so I asked him if he uh, bought a house down there, and he looked at me like I was crazy. He goes, no, I got an apartment next to the stadium. I go, he goes, it's expensive down there. People in Seattle think it's expensive here. It's still half of what San Francisco is. I said, what is it, about half? And he goes, "It's yeah, Seattle's half as expensive as San Francisco. Well, and, play, and playing there, was it Santa Rosa? Apparently it's, it's Santa Clara. Like, it's well Santa Clara. That's right. Apparently it's like ridiculously hard to get to, whether it's via regular public transit or whatever. So it's like having something like that right next to the stadium probably makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and then um, also the guy that you know, and I told people, you know, they didn't believe me. Uh, Zeke Turner, and he's still on the roster with the Arizona Cardinals. They're using him as that hybrid linebacker safety, like they did uh, Dion yeah. Buchanan. Yeah. And so uh, it's good to see Zeke Turner. And uh, let me tell you, Buddha. I don't know if you saw what he put on his um, Twitter 
page that he was going to be at the game and he was going to be saying all the things to the ref he couldn't yeah. when he was playing here. So um, that was kind of funny. But uh, it was really good to see those guys. And then, of course, Kyle Ben being honored as a third quarter legend. And one of our favorites I saw before the game with his bride and his daughter, uh, John Anderson, the former kicker, was here from Florida. So, uh, you know, experienced a little bit of uh, the Seattle weather. I was going to say, too, um, Spencer Morona, former defensive lineman, his one of his sons was actually in the group with with uh, Kyle Ben oh. at the end, so he got down to come. He went down on the field, and they were like, "That's a pretty cool thing," because obviously I know Kyle and Spencer are pretty close. Yeah, you know, it's great to see all those guys. So, um, anyways, nice nice win by Washington. Uh, it's going to be a busy week again for us to, this week, even though it's a bye week because we have media with Chris Peterson on Monday. We'll probably have basketball media on. Monday, we will have a basketball game. Uh, Western Kentucky, who's a pretty good team, uh, coming in on Tuesday. That's a 7.30 tip-off, I believe. Um, Chris, well, we're not going to have any other media football, but uh, playoffs coming up as well uh, with high school football, and there always seems to be a lot going on. So uh, we'll be on Sports Radio 950 KJR on Wednesday night from 7 to 8, and we'll have news on the Saturday show for you shortly as well. Luke Munger, final thoughts? Um, I thought it was a big way for Washington to kind of step back up, get back to the winning ways. Obviously, uh, they're still in control of their destiny as far as the Pac-12 title goes. Uh, so this was a, a good step forward, uh, and not much more to say. Just uh, looking forward to the bye week, I'm sure. Uh, you saw some of the players that weren't able to play today. It'll be beneficial for a little bit of rest and to have those dings and kind of uh, heal up, you know. Scott Eklund? Uh Well, kind of to echo what Luke says, first step in a four-step process to get to the Rose Bowl. Um, you know, Washington needed this win. They have a bye week. They have Oregon State. Uh, which will be senior night. That'll be fun. Um, and then Washington State, who is now, what, 8-1 and one on the season? They beat, they Cal. beat Cal tonight. Last so minute. Uh, Last minute. And uh, so that Apple Cup should be real, a barn burner. And, um, Do you know who Washington State has left? Um, I think they have. They go to, they go go to Colorado, Colorado the week before the Apple Cup. I think they. they go, do they go to Arizona? Do as they well? have Utah? Maybe it's Utah. Maybe Utah, or Arizona. I can't remember. No, yeah. they played Utah already. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah. So. They beat Utah. I'll have the intern look it up while we're doing it. That's so. right. They beat them right after we beat them. Yeah. Or Washington beat them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, good win, uh, good first step, but still a long way to go. Chris Fetters? Yeah, just the way this game kind of. Worked out the just the dynamics of it. It kind of felt a little bit like UCLA. They jump out to a big lead, but can't really put their put their boot on the throat of Stanford. And hey, Stanford's a well coached team. They're a tough team. They they have they they definitely have some mismatches that they exploited. Um, so trust me, it's a great win. Like Scott said, it's a part of a four step process. It feels like survive in advance at this point in terms of getting to the. To the you know title game Pac-12 and then you know getting to the Rose Bowl if they can if they can win something like that it's a long way to go but I'm telling you Chris Peterson the look on his face when you talk about going through ten straight weeks he was let's put it this way unthrilled with having to go ten straight weeks this team is banged up and having that week off is going to be huge for them and then to come back and play a team like Oregon State who's going to test them on the ground for sure. They've got a really good ground game, um, but Washington could maybe get after them a little bit with the with the pass pass rush and what have you. It's going to be a good test, but it, it should give them an opportunity to get back in the swing of things 
for that Washington State game, that Apple Cup, which is going to be an absolute barn burner. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Washington gets back and is ranked, you know, depending on, you know, there were some upsets again, as there always are this time of year. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I think overall, you know, Washington fans beating Stanford, anytime you beat Stanford, home away, whatever, always going to be a good win. Um, yeah, good win against Stanford. And then you take a look at what's happened around the Pac-12 today, too. Uh, Arizona State just smacked Utah all over the place. And then Cal gave Washington State all that uh, they could handle. And, uh, you know, Washington with a bye week. And then Oregon State, who they should be able to handle it well for senior day, sending out the seniors the right way. Uh, nice win. Really good to, you know, see how important Miles Gaskin is to this team, you know. So, uh, you know, another week off for Miles is going to do nothing but help. Caleb McGarry looks like he could use some time off, and uh, Greg Gaines, the old guy, definitely could use some time off as well. So I think that's going to give a lot of time to heal. Really excited about the basketball game on Tuesday with Western Kentucky. I really like this basketball team. So, uh, you know, even though there's a bye week for football, it's not like we're going to get a lot of time off. So um, if you're looking for those daily updates in your inbox, shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. Again, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We'll get you daily updates as well as alerts on any breaking news. Back on Sports Radio 950 KJR on Wednesday from 7 to 8. And for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and Luke Monger. Go dogs. <laughs>